paradise. When you hear that word, paradise, what do you think about? I want you guys to do me a favor real quick. If everybody in here could just close your eyes for a second, okay? So everybody, wherever you are, excuse me, just go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to just hear that word, paradise. What comes into your mind? What, What image is before you? Okay, you guys can go ahead and open your eyes back up. Now, I don't know what image is in your mind, but this is pretty much what's in my mind. Anybody else? Anybody else see a beach? Oh, man, we are beach people in this room. That's beautiful. All right. Now, that might not be your picture of paradise when you closed your eyes. Let's see the next slide. Who's, who's a mountain person? Who's, this is paradise for you. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. We've covered most of the hands in this room, but I know there are some. This next slide will completely resonate with you when we talk about paradise. Go ahead. Okay? Like, like, you know, football season is coming, baby. You know, and I know some of you, you want nowhere else but to be on the 50-yard line. I mean, that would be paradise for you. Okay, let's do one more. Because there are others of you... And paradise is anywhere where you just don't have to deal with another human being. You know what I'm saying? People have been driving you crazy. You just need a little solitude. You don't need, it doesn't matter where it is. Just, if I can just be by myself, that would be paradise. Well, most of us in this room have a picture, a thought in our mind of what paradise looks like for us. But what does paradise look like from God's perspective? Well, the first couple of chapters of the Bible in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, actually describes paradise. And those first couple of chapters in Genesis is actually where we find this week's bad boy of the Bible, Adam of Adam and Eve. And it's interesting because when Adam comes on the scene, he actually steps in to paradise. That's the only reality that he knows, the Garden of Eden. And when he steps in and enters the story, there's no sin, there's no conflict, there's no evil. Everything is in perfect harmony, true paradise. But there's a kicker to that. God is there fully present with Adam and Eve. Fully present. The Bible actually says that God walks in the garden and talks with Adam and Eve. Everything is perfect. It's paradise and God is there. There's just one thing that Adam and Eve weren't supposed to do in paradise and that was to eat from a certain tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were told if they ate from that tree, that they would surely die. But this serpent comes along, and if you're following along, you want to uh, turn to Genesis chapter 3. There is a serpent who comes along, and he basically, he gets a hold of Eve, and he says, Eve, um, you know, 
I know God said that, but, but you're not going to die. Once you eat of that tree, you'll, you'll be like God and you'll know all this stuff. And it'll be this amazing thing. You'll get all this wisdom. So we pick it up in verse 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Notice her husband who was with her. He'd been silent, but he was there the entire time. That's an important point that you need to remember. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And it says, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It says, God said, well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman that you put here with me, um, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I, and I ate it. Now, of all the bad boys of the Bible that we have been looking at for the summer, if you had the biggest bone to pick with any of them, it would have to be Adam. Okay, because as a result of this decision, sin and evil and chaos enters the world and paradise is lost. And I love Adam's response here. It is absolutely classic. You see, we we all make mistakes, right? That's just a part of life. We make mistakes all the time. But look what happens. So Adam has made this major blunder. He was with Eve. He he was in the whole deal. He, He eats the fruit. And then God comes calling and he says, so did you eat from that tree? Did you eat from that one tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam goes to God, um, that woman, um, that woman, Eve, it was that woman. Uh, and actually, it was that woman that, that you, you, God, you, you created her. I mean, you put her in the garden. I didn't ask for the woman. I mean, you, you gave the woman, and, and it was her. It was you and her. You, you notice he's blaming everybody but himself, right? That's what he's doing. No responsibility at all in this. He's totally deflecting the blame. Now listen, this is not the main point of the message that we're going to talk about today, but it's at least worth noting, here's a great lesson in what not to do, okay? See, when we make a mistake in life, and we, mistakes are inevitable. We pretty, I make mistakes every single day of my life. You guys do too. Okay? So that's going to happen. But when we make a mistake, the, the worst thing that then we can do is to try and blame somebody else instead of just taking responsibility for our mistakes. And man, I, I struggle with this. I love to point the finger. I love to try and deflect blame and, and you know, pretend that it wasn't me. But think about this for a second. Do you know how much healthier our world would be if we would just do this one thing of accepting responsibility when we make a mistake? Do you realize how much healthier marriages would be if husbands and wives could say, hey, you know what, I'm sorry, I I blew it on that one. I just, I take full responsibility. You know how much healthier marriages would be? Do you know how much healthier dating relationships would be? If we could do that, do you know how much healthier friendships could be 
we're going to make mistakes. That's just, that's part of life. But if we could just own, if we could just take responsibility for those mistakes, do you know how much healthier workplace environments would be? Do you know somebody who just refuses to take the blame at work, refuses to accept responsibility? They drive you crazy, don't they? Now, we can't control them, but what can we do to just accept responsibility? Yeah, I, you know what? That was my bad. That, that's, it's, it's a tiny little sidebar there, but I think it's worth noting about Adam. Now, however, that's not what's powerful about the Genesis story, okay? What's powerful has nothing to do with who Adam was or what Adam did. What's powerful about this story is what we learn about God and what we learn about God's plan for paradise. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, we just um, are here to learn more about you, to connect with you. Uh, we are diving into your word this morning. Help us to, um, to just learn more about who you are and what that means for us. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so we started in chapter 3 of Genesis. I want to turn back to chapters 1 and 2. In, in Genesis 1 and 2, God has been doing all this creating of everything that we see. And he's creating and creating and creating. And then in, in chapter 2, Adam comes on the scene. Again, this is paradise, okay? Everything is perfect, just as it is intended to be. This is Genesis chapter 2, verses 15. So in paradise, God's been doing all this work. Here's Adam on the scene, and look at what it says. Look at the task that God has for Adam in paradise. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work it and take care of it. We're in paradise. Adam's there. Everything is beautiful. Everything is totally in harmony. And God goes, hey, Adam, here you go, buddy. We're in paradise. Get to work. We'll give you a job to do. Now, is, was this anybody's image of paradise a few minutes ago? Yet this is God's image of paradise. It involves work. Isn't that interesting? Then in verses 19 and 20, God's not done. He gives Adam another job. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. So the first one was a physical task. This one was a mental task. But you see, here's God. He's got Adam in the garden in paradise, okay? Before the fall, before anything bad enters in, everything is just perfect bliss, harmony, perfection, paradise. And yet Adam is there, and he's working. See, this, this just isn't my understanding of what paradise looks like, you know? For me, put that, put that picture back up again. Okay, yeah, come on. This, this is paradise for me. The only work that I'm doing in my paradise is those 12-ounce curls, you know, where I'm taking my drink, my cold drink, to my mouth. I mean, that, there's no work in my paradise, but yet for God, it's totally different. If you want to fill this in, I got two fill-ins for you this morning. Here's the first one. God created us to work. It's through 
our work. And that looks totally different depending on what kind of work it is that you do. Some of you have an office job. Some of your work is, is involving the kids. I mean, others of you have dedicated your, your work life. You're in a position where it's volunteering and other things like that. But whatever work looks like for us, God created us to work. See, work is where we derive a sense of place in this world. It gives us kind of a foundation. It's where we derive meaning and significance. It's where we get a sense of place. It gives a sense of structure to our day and to why we're in a certain community and what it is that we're doing. Work is part of our purpose. God created us that way. Now, many of you, when you think about your work, it's more like a curse. But for God, work is a blessing. I know that a lot of you in this room would, would not raise your hand if I said, how many of you think, your work, man, work is just a blessing in your life? It's just a beautiful, it's just, now I see some hands going on. That's a beautiful thing, okay? Uh, but for many of you, you just don't feel that way. And in fact, if you had to be really honest, the best thing about getting through the first hour of work on Monday morning is that you're one hour closer to the weekend, right? I mean, let's just be real. And I, I tell you, for, for those of you who find yourself there, I, 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 I feel you. I, I was in a job, um, my first job out of school, and for a while it was really great. And then after a while, it just became really difficult. And it, at, toward the end, it was miserable. And I remember just, just trying to get through the week, you know, just trying to get to Friday at 5 o'clock. That, that was really, that became the goal. And I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he said to me, he said, you know, Derek, that's a really dangerous place to be when you're, when you're just, all you're trying to do is survive your week to get to Friday. He says, because do you realize what's happening if you do that in your life? If you do that, he said, think about it. You're only living two-sevenths of your life. Five-sevenths of it, your whole work week, you're just trying to get it over with. So you're only, your whole life, you're living two-sevenths of it. He said, I don't want to live a two-sevenths life. I want to live a seven-sevenths life. Now, if you're here this morning and you're really struggling when you think about your work and you don't view it as this blessing from God that God, you know, gave us this thing and it's supposed to enrich our lives, um, I, I want to challenge you to really think about this concept that God created us, wired us to work that work is actually a blessing. Now, I'm not saying, because there are some of you here, and you just absolutely, your job is terrible. I'm not saying you're supposed to stick out a job that's just not working for you or to deal with any sort of abuse or anything like that, okay? There are many of you, and the, the answer is keep, keep putting it out on, you know, get, get no resume out there, try to find that job. But there are many of us, and really, I think the task that we need to do is really just remember that God created us to do this, that this is a blessing, and try and step back and maybe take some time later on today, and just think about all the things that are good about your work. All the things that are good about, about your work. You can make a huge list of things that you overlook when you're kind of clouded with this idea, oh man, it's just such a curse. I'm just trying to get through it. It's so terrible. My boss is a jerk. My boss isn't a jerk. He's great. But, um, <laughs> you know, try, try and push into that a little bit. God actually wired us this way. This is a good thing for us. Try and find the redeeming things 
about your work and focus on them this week. See if you can change your perspective or your attitude. See if you can't get after that goal of living a seven-sevenths life instead of a two-sevenths life. I want us to look at one other thing that paradise involves from God's perspective. First thing is paradise involves work. The second thing we also see in Genesis 1 and 2. So most of you, even if you've read very, very little of the Bible, you, you started in Genesis, you know, you opened up, you're like, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read this whole thing. And then you get like a couple chapters in, you're like, oh man, this is way too overwhelming. So mo- many of us have read Genesis chapter 1 a whole bunch of times, right? It's great. So you guys are pretty familiar with how it goes. I'll just give you a little refresher. Um, so God's doing all this creating. There's these different days, and God is creating each day. And so let's just read a few excerpts here, starting in verse 9. It said, And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. See if you can notice the theme that's emerging here. And God saw that it was good. Verse 11. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky. Verse 18. And God saw that it was good. Verse 20. And God said, Let the water seem with living creatures. And God saw that it was good. And then in verse 24, let the land produce living creatures. And God saw that it was good. Over and over in Genesis chapter 1, God is doing this creating. And each time sees that it is good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And then we get into Genesis chapter 2. And now he's created man. And it's very good. And there is Adam. In the garden, total paradise. Everything has been good, 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 good. And then look at verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, this is crazy to me, you guys. Adam is in paradise. Not only that, he's there with God. He's working. He has a purpose going on. He's doing everything that God asked him to do. Yeah, I mean, this, this is amazing. Even God, who's physically present with Adam, is not enough. Just Adam and God, it's not enough. God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. If you want to fill the second blank in here, go ahead. It's God created us. For community. I don't know if you've, uh, if you've ever heard somebody say, maybe you have somebody, uh, another Christian or, or someone spiritual in your life, and, you know, or, or maybe this has happened to you at some point, or you've thought this, um, where you just kind of, you know, I just can't really find the right church, or, you know, certain people in my life have been driving me crazy, you know, when it comes to faith and God and stuff. You know, I, I don't need all that. You know, all, all I really need is me and God. You know, me and God, that's, that's, that's all I really need. Just me and God, I got my Bible, you know, it, it's all good. That's, that's all I really need. But what God is saying to us here through Genesis chapter 2 is that's not true. Me plus God, it's actually not enough. It is not good for the man to be alone. We need to have other people in our lives. I want to ask you guys a question here this morning. 
Do you have people in your life that you connect with in a meaningful way? Okay? You can have all kinds of people in your life. It doesn't mean that you're actually connecting with them in a meaningful way. A couple of nights ago, I uh, got together with 11 buddies here in town, and we did one of those NFL fantasy football drafts. I know nobody else participates in those things. Um, but we did one of these drafts, and it was about five hours. It went into the wee hours of the night. And it was about five hours of just nonstop noise. I mean, 12 guys in a room just constantly smack-talking, jawing back and forth. We were talking about everything you could imagine when it comes to football. And, I mean, literally, it was just five There was not like a moment of silence in five hours. Just nonstop conversation. In those five hours, we did not have one single meaningful conversation. And it was awesome. <laughs> Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, the ladies might have a little disconnect here, but the men know exactly what I mean on this point. You know, it is, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible thing just to be able to go there. And I come back from these, these types of events. And my wife, God bless her, but she, she'll say, oh, Derek, so um, that was cool. So, so Chris was there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. How's he doing? Oh, he's great. You know, we had a great time. How's his wife? Um, oh, yeah. She's, she's good. I mean, she's, I'm, sure she's, I'm sure she's good. Yeah, and you know, they, they just had the baby. Oh, yeah, that baby. Um, baby doing okay? Uh, yeah, okay, I'm sure the baby, I mean, if, if the baby wasn't fine, he would have told me something. I mean, you know, so what's the baby's name anyway? Oh, come on. You know, what do you want from me? It was a fantasy football draft. Now, every guy in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? You can spend, amen, you can spend an entire day with a group of guys and you get, you get nothing of substance. And it's beautiful. Right, man? Isn't it beautiful? Come on, I don't want to have to defend this. All right. But in all seriousness, guys especially, okay, because you ladies here are so much better at this than the guys. You just are. You, you ladies, you just connect with each other. Like, it's crazy. You have two sentences together, and you found out more about the person than I know about my best friend over 12 months of conversations. Okay? So you guys do this really well. You somehow are just able to get to more depth and meaning in your conversations. Okay? It doesn't mean men are shallow. We're just different. Okay? Leave us alone. But guys, I, I, I want to really challenge you here this morning, okay? Men in this room, do you have someone in your life, a group of people, or at least a couple of folks, that you're actually talking about meaningful things, things of substance, stuff that's really going on inside of you, stuff that you're thinking about, that you're wrestling with, that maybe, you know, you worry about, Stuff that you're struggling with. You know, stuff that, that occupies your mind. More than just fantasy football and stuff like that. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Really, there's not. Um, do you have people in your life like that? Because let me tell you something. God said, it is not good 
for the man to be alone. And everyone in this room knows that you can be surrounded by people and be completely alone. Do you have people that you're connecting with at a meaningful level? Guys, do you? Sunday morning is a great time. One of the things I I love about Sunday morning is that it, it gives us a chance to talk about things of substance and meaning. So I want to give you a resource beyond Sunday. And this is not just for the guys, this is for everybody. But I, I am just lasered in on, on all you men in this room right now, okay? Because I know that this is a challenging thing. We have something here at Grace that we call community groups. And community groups are basically designed for one thing. That is to give a place where you can have some meaningful, substantive conversations about life and faith and what really matters. It's basically where you can take what we're talking about up here on a Sunday, and then you can say, okay, that was great, so what? How does that actually impact my life? What does that mean for me and for my life? And these community groups are a place where you can get together with some other people, okay? You might want to join a men's group where you can huddle with some other guys. You might want to join a mixed group where you can join guys and gals. You might want to join a married couples group. Okay, where you can meet with other married couples. You might want to join a singles group where you can meet with some other singles. You might want to join a family group. Whatever kind of group. You might want to join a young professionals group. Whatever kind of group that you'd like to join. But it's a place where you can start to get a little bit below the surface and talk about things that matter. And I just want to encourage you guys because uh, you don't have to do it this way. You really don't. Okay? Uh, it's not like we're, we have some goal, like everybody in this room is going to you know, get into a community group, and that's, that's really the whole point of this. My heart is just to see, especially the men in this room, just make sure that you have some meaningful community, because this, this life is difficult. And to do it all by yourself, that's not the way God meant for it. And you could turn and say, okay, well, I've got some guys that, you know, they're in my life, my fantasy football buddies, so to speak. And I, you know, okay, cool, I'm inspired. I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call those guys. Okay, I'm going to call. And the next time I get to we're going to go deep, baby. You know, I'm going to talk. I'm going to ask him what's really going on. And, and that might work for some of you. But I'll tell you, there'll be many others of you. And you try that and they will look at you like you have about three heads. Okay, like, what, 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 weren't we just talking about fantasy football? Like, what are you, where'd you, where'd you go, man? Right? So give that a shot. And for some of you, you're just like, yeah, I need to do that. That's why I need to just push into those relationships that I already have. Others of you will realize, you know what? If I have an intentional place where we're coming together and everyone's kind of already on a similar wavelength, we get into one of these groups and we're just diving in, that's just a perfect place to be able to do it. So here's the thing, guys and gals, okay? Two weeks from today, two weeks from today, all I want you to be doing right now is just be thinking and praying about the idea of getting into a group this fall. So we have a fall session that's going to run from mid-September, actually late September, through mid-December. It's an 11-week session. The sign-ups are going to happen in two weeks. We'll have in your bulletin on the 16th, we'll have a whole list of all the different groups. We don't have them all right now. We're, we're still kind of figuring that out and getting everything into place. But you'll see a whole list of all the groups. And then as you walk out of here into the lobby and then spilling out outside, there'll be tables and we'll have all the groups listed and, the, and all the leaders will be there. So you can kind of figure out what group you might like to try. You get to meet the leader. And it's a great way. You can just, you can just give it a shot. See how it goes.
I cannot encourage you enough. Men, are you connecting in a meaningful way? Might this be a tremendous way that you can do that? If you're not going to be here on the 16th or the 23rd, we're going to do sign-ups for two straight Sundays. If you're not going to be, you know your travel schedule's crazy, you're going to be away. That Connect card that John talked about in the beginning, just take that puppy, tear it right off, write some contact info down, and I will personally see to it that we get you connected, okay? Because this stuff, it's, it's absolutely awesome when you, can, when you can start to engage in meaningful community and have some substantive conversations about stuff that really matters. It's an amazing thing. See, our definition of paradise and God's definition of paradise are radically different things. Radically different. Mine, mine's right here, baby. Okay? This is my definition of paradise. Got my beach scene up there. God's definition, totally different. It involves work. It involves relationships. And that, from God's perspective, is where true meaning and true significance and true purpose comes from. I think one of the things about this area that makes it so hard is that, you know, it's such a hard-working, hard-driving city that we live in that we just crave vacation. You know, we crave this idyllic sense of paradise. But the reality is, you know, if you did that, for more than a few weeks or a few months, and some of you would, yeah, I'd love to try. I'd love to, love to put that to the test. But if, but if, if you did that, you're going to realize it's not all it's cracked up to be. That's actually not paradise at all. Paradise involves us rolling up our sleeves and doing something in this world. And it involves us being meaningfully connected with other people. I, I want you to just take some time this week and to push into those two ideas. Challenge your own paradigm about what paradise, what true paradise is really like. Because from God's perspective, it's nothing like the picture that we have in our minds. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for this time. And um, God, I know that you've challenged me this week with my picture of paradise in my head. Lord, this idea of, of work that you've created us to work, and this idea that we're, we're meant to have meaningful relationships, to be in community. God, uh, those aren't things that come right to the top of my mind when I think about paradise. But, but when we really step back and think about it, it does make sense. This is truly where we derive meaning and purpose and place in this world. Help each of us to reorient our perspectives and our attitudes as we think about our work. God, do something this week. For those who are living a two-sevenths life, God, help us not to waste the other five-sevenths. Show us what we can do, what we can focus on, how we can redeem that. God, we need your help in that area. Lord, and those of us who we know we're, we're surrounded by a lot of people, but not a lot of people we really let in and, and really let know what's going on. Help us to find a way so that we wouldn't be alone, even when surrounded by other people. God, because you tell us it's not good. It's not good to be alone. Help us to push into these two things this week. Paradise, work, paradise, community. 
Show each person here what that looks like. In Christ's name.